0: Changing your life
1: one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark.
0: Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And today I am going to introduce you to CJ Cole, who is publishing her second story with us. And this one appears in our brand new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Messages from Heaven and Other Miracles. And her prior story was really funny. It was about a food fight at her prim and proper grandmother's house. And that was in Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Crazy Family. So CJ Cole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you
1: so much for having me. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to meet your other readers.
0: Oh, yeah, this is a great place to meet people, isn't it? I love the fact that we bring people together from all over the world in our books, and you meet people you would never otherwise meet. And you hear these deeply personal revealing stories from them so before we start talking about your most recent amazing story let me give our listeners a little background about you you were born and raised in a small kansas town and now cj cole lives on the lower eastern shore of virginia which is the home of the saltwater cowboys i don't know who those are and the wild Chincoteague ponies i don't know who those are either is that a team or those actual ponies
1: Actually, Chincoteague, which is how it's pronounced, is an island, and the ponies on the island are featured in a book from the 1950s called Misty of Chincoteague, which was then also made into a movie, and it has somewhat of a cult following. Each year, and it's been almost 100 years now since this started, each year they swim the foals of these special ponies, which are only found on this particular island, in the world and rumor and history has it that they were cargo on a spanish galleon which sunk off the coast of assateague island the ponies swam ashore and began to populate the island and the movie and the story from the 50s is about this young girl who rescues a blue-eyed foal named misty from a hurricane and from that point on The 5,000-person population of this tiny island swells to about 75,000 for this week-long event where they swim the ponies across the bay, they run them down the center of town, and they auction them off. And each year we have Make Wish and a number of foundations who come to buy ponies for children who perhaps are going through health issues or even in hospice. And folks come from all over the world to see this. And for 100 years, it's been the reason that people come to the lower eastern shore of Virginia, Maryland.
0: Wow. All right. Well, I will go on with your bio then. I knew nothing about that. I live up in Connecticut. So for 14 years, CJ was the general manager of a privately owned country radio station. She did a morning drive show there, talked about books, science, and all kinds of unusual things. So she's quite an unusual radio show host. She wrote a weekly common sense advice column for her locally-owned Gannett newspaper. And she's also active with her local food bank as an advisory council member, and she also works with her local literacy council. We're going to talk about that later as well. But first, let's talk about your story in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Messages from Heaven, and Other Miracles. Tell us what happened.
1: It even brings me a little bit of emotion now. Um, Mark was my high school boyfriend. He was everything that a high school boyfriend should be football team, tall, blonde, blue eyed, big cheesy grin. Um, and he would walk me to class and he was just, he was a very positive person and he was kind and his family was really wonderful. And, uh, We had, you know, we had dreams like a lot of girls and and boys do in high school, but those kind of faded away as years went on. And I moved to the Eastern Shore, and I started doing radio, and I am very blessed to have interviewed a number of really wonderful people, and I got an opportunity to interview a psychic medium named Maureen Hancock. She has worked with the FBI, the Boston Police Department, a number of other law enforcement agencies in finding... Um, lost people, um, in locating those who have been missing and perhaps have passed on. She also does hospice work, which is interesting in her field. But she had a a book out about um, stories that she had done with the police and different things. And so I was really excited to do this interview, and we started the interview. And and as a, a matter of respect, if you're an interviewer, you don't ask for readings. You don't ask for personal, you know, direction or anything like that. It's just kind of a respect thing. And we talked about the book. We talked about her experiences. And we were just about to finish, and she stops in mid-sentence. And she said, is it okay if I share with you a message that I'm, I'm getting for you? And my stomach <laughs> got really twisted for a minute, and I said, Sure. 'Cause I couldn't really think of who could possibly be wanting to talk to me from the other side.
0: Yeah, that would have been well, quite a surprise since you were being so good and not even asking.
1: Right. Well, and the funny thing is is that I never really think there's anybody over there who wants to tell me anything. <laughs> well, I can't imagine anything being that important. I guess about four months prior to that, a friend of mine from back home had come out to visit and he said, you know, I saw Mark the other day, and he's developed leukemia. He had been battling multiple sclerosis for a number of years, and then he contracted leukemia, and he said, you know, I saw him. He was really thin, but he was the same old Mark, big grin, talking to everyone. He said, and I thought of you, and I knew that you would want to talk to him, so maybe you should give him a call. So after my friend went back home, I decided, you know, he's right. I'm a big believer in reaching out to people, talk to people, never let the sun set. If you think of someone and they're in your mind, you should reach out to them. There's a reason for that. So I looked up his number. He was back in our hometown, picked up the phone, and I couldn't dial it. And that's not me. I'm not that person. And I sat there for a good half hour, and I could not dialed that and the only word that I kept hearing in my head was just wait just wait so finally after a half hour of arguing with myself I put the phone down and I went on so a few days after that I got a message from another girl I'd grown up with to tell me that Mark had passed and of course I'm kicking myself i Couldn't believe I had. I felt terrible.
0: Yeah, of course, because we're all taught, like, when you have that impulse to reach out to somebody, do it. And then you feel bad when you didn't do it. But, of course, something was stopping you from doing it.
1: Well, the word wait was the thing I kept hearing. And so we go back to this phone conversation with Maureen, and she said, there's someone, Mike. No, no, she said his name is Mark. So I got cold, (laughs) just got the chills, and... She said, does that name resonate with you in any way? And I said, yes, ma'am, it does. She said, Mark wants you to know that there's a reason that you couldn't call him that night. He put his hand on your shoulder and told you to wait. And, I mean, I couldn't breathe. And she said, he wants you to know that the reason he didn't want you to call was that he was in a coma and he was between worlds and he was drawn to you. And he was afraid that if you called him and left him a message and you never heard from him, that you would think it was because he didn't want to talk to you. And that was not the case. He was sad that he didn't get to talk to you because he remembered everything the same way that you did. And she went on to tell me that he was no longer in pain and that he was well and whole and happy and that he was my angel basically, and that all I needed to do was talk to him if I wanted help or I wanted to feel that I would love to just speak his name to tell him that he would always be an angel for me.
0: And then she asked you one more thing, which was really the clincher, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because I've always been a skeptic of a number of different things. I'm just one of those who likes to know the why of everything. And so we get ready to disconnect, and she laughed, and it was just one of those from the gut kind of laughs. And then she said, he has one question for you. He wants to know, can you still drive a stick shift? And that was it. My jaw hit the floor because nobody knew that when we were in high school together, and I'm sure you remember, you know, when we had our boyfriend, we always had to sit in the middle so they could have their arm around us. Well, I sat, he had an El Camino, and I sat in the center with my legs on either side of the console, and he would hit the clutch, and he taught me how to shift a stick shift that way.
0: I think we all learned how to drive a stick shift from our boyfriends. I did, too. I think so. (laughs) I remember being stuck in the middle of the road because I had done it wrong, and we were just stuck and lurching forward, yeah.
1: Yes, there was plenty of that, and plenty of... He used to say, "Grind it if you can't find it, but please don't drop the transmission on the highway."
0: Uh huh.
1: <laughs> and it, you know, would make me laugh. And he was just—he was—he was such a wonderful guy. I mean, I had seen him before. I guess it'd probably been about twenty years before that. I had gone back home and passed through, and you know, he had told me that he had a son and everything. And so uh, there was half good and half bad to that because part of me felt horrible that I hadn't picked up the phone, but the other part of me felt good in knowing that he still remembered me as I remembered him with a smile and laughter. And I would even go so far as to say somewhat of a life-changing experience for me.
0: Well, thank you for sharing it with our readers. We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to come back And we're going to talk to you about your literacy program and some other things that you do in your life. And now we're back with CJ Cole, who told us that amazing story, which we published in our latest book. And CJ, now I want to talk about something else that you do that I find fascinating. And that's your work with the Literacy Council and the work you've done With kids. I love this program that you created with kids. So tell us about how you invited all these top local people to come and talk about their favorite kids' books.
1: Well, we all get our inspiration for things. And sometimes that inspiration comes really loudly. And other times it kind of sneaks up on you. For me, I was one of the first children of divorce. And so I went to live with my grandparents in that little Kansas town. And we were three blocks from the Bradford Memorial Library, which was a castle, was the coolest place ever. Had a turret, which was the kids' reading area, and I spent from the time I was five until I was 17, and that was my second home. And the woman, the children's librarian, was my best friend, and in fact, we were friends until she passed away in her 80s. She was my inspiration. She believed that if you wanted to read then all you had to do was pick up a book and try and so from the time I was a little kid until today some of my favorite times of life are just sitting down with a good book and disappearing into another world and so where I live here on the shore there isn't as much support for kids programs and for the literacy council as there should be and so I Several years into my tenure at the radio station, we were coming up on Literacy Week, and I had just joined as a member of the board of the Literacy Council locally, and I thought, what way can I bring this to the forefront of people and be entertaining at the same time? Because you know as well as I do that if you can entertain, sometimes you open a doorway that allows them to see things differently. So I thought about that, and I happen to be friends with a lot of folks here, the sheriff, of The lady who is the, or was at the time, the director of the library, and a number of different offices. And I thought, what better way to talk about literacy than to talk to the people who are successful and find out how books impacted them? So I invited them each to come um, during Literacy Week each morning, and they bring their favorite children's book, and they would talk about why it inspired them, and then they would read it. And we did it during the drive time show in the morning where kids and parents were in the cars going to school. And we had, you know, the sheriff brought the little train that could. His father taught him very young that if you believed you could do something and you put every effort into it, you should be able to do it. Uh, And we, we had the Velveteen Rabbit. We had Charlotte's Web. We didn't read the whole book, but we talked about Charlotte's Web. And what I learned from that was all of the books that we've all grown up reading impact people differently. And from that point on every year for literacy week, I would invite people to come and to read their book and to talk about why it was important and to recommend ways to maybe get your kids more interested.
0: That's a great idea. I love that. I'd like to see somebody do that. You know, live, too, like see a police officer come in wearing his uniform and then sit down with a kid's book and read it. and I could imagine all the little kids who would be inspired by that and want to have their parents read them that book. That's a really great idea.
1: well, as a tribal storyteller, I'm tribally active with a number of tribes here. I dance as a tribal storyteller. that's one of the ways we pass on morals and values, and I think in any culture, the stories that we read to them as children are ways that we impart morals and values and ideas and encouragement. So it would be cool if we could have, instead of cartoons, a morning TV show where we sat and read books and talked about them. And
0: yeah. Wouldn't that be great? But you can't make action yeah. figures from that. So I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be great. I totally get it because <laughs> I mean, a valid point. <laughs> yeah, we, but we do storytelling For adults. I mean, we do books for, you know, little kids also and preteens and teens, but mostly for adults. And of course, we are passing on values and culture and wisdom and advice and keeping that story going. You know, that's the way that society passes on those values to the next generation. So I totally get it. Well, CJ, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to have you as part of the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. And I hope that you will go to our website again in the future, ChickenSoup.com, and click on submit your story and send us some more of your amazing stories.
1: Well, it's been an honor talking to you and an honor to be part of the great family of people who have contributed to your pages over the years. And I sincerely hope that I can be part of it again, but it's been a lot of fun.
0: So where can people learn more about you as we're saying goodbye? I'd love to leave them with your Twitter handle and your Facebook.
1: Well, Facebook, you can find me, C.J. Cole, C-O-L-E. Just look for Virginia. Actually, when you see my picture, I'm in traditional native regalia. And on Twitter, I'm at C.J. Cole 62. And any questions or any comments or thoughts anybody has, I'm happy to talk with them and share. And it's an experience that has really touched me and excited me because... The more that we encourage people to read and to share, I think the more we become a family. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's what we're all about at Chicken Soup for the Soul. So thank you very much for joining us today. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. Come back for our next episode for more inspiration and life-changing advice. This time from our other new bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Best Advice I Ever Heard. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Google, or wherever you like to get your podcasts so that each new episode will show up automatically for you. CJ, thanks again.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,